Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Money Delics podcast. Today I have with me Graham Helvood. He's a comedian that is visiting El Salvador because he's also looking to shoot a documentary. Am I correct? You're correct. I'm here for about eight, nine days just to see for myself. I'm a Bitcoiner. I've learned the difference between Bitcoin and crypto. And I've started learning about this country. I think it was two years ago when Bukele made Bitcoin the legal tender. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I started following what was happening. And then a couple months ago, I follow like Max Kaiser on Twitter. And I started following other people here in El Salvador. You were one of them I started to follow. And I saw like everyone was saying, he locked up all the criminals, it's safe. It's the safest country in Latin America now. Mm -hmm. And then when he paid off whatever it was, $800 million to the IMF, I was like, he's paying off the debt? And so in following Max, and then I think you, then I started following Sandy Waves. And she's saying, I'm a tour guide, come to my country, I'll show you it, Bitcoin's saving my country. I talked to her on WhatsApp, I'll never forget, on April 20th. And we started talking on the phone and she was telling me, there used to be neighborhoods that were so dangerous you couldn't walk the streets. Mm -hmm. And now people are walking the streets. And I was like, what? We, the more we start talking, I said, I gotta see this for myself. And so I've been a stand-up comic for a long time and I've made three documentary films. The first one, I went to Afghanistan. I was a comedian entertaining the United States military and I got to see war up close. So I'm not afraid of going somewhere that's dangerous. <laughs> and this place is way safer than Afghanistan. It's even safer than the United States. So anyway, we started having a conversation and I said, this will make a great documentary. And then I said, well, I gotta go down there and see for myself before I just show up, you know. <laughs> so. You know, we just did an interview for my YouTube show. Sandy is taking me around. I'm setting up other interviews. I'm, I'm gonna have a meeting with somebody, at, I think at Accelerate, about what businesses can do to come down here. I've done transactions already in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. I rented a surfboard at Bitcoin Beach. I rented a surfboard with Bitcoin and then surfed in Bitcoin Beach, which was amazing. Uh, a couple big waves I got rocked, but uh, <laughs> I got crushed, <laughs> but that was fun. So yeah, I'm here to investigate the country. And then I'm in the process of raising money to shoot a, a documentary in the fall because I want the world to see how a country can transform. There's not a lot of countries in the world where things are getting better. Can you think of any yeah, besides El Salvador? Not that I've heard of. I cannot. I honestly cannot think of a country. No, I can't. I was in Russia in 2019, and that country has gotten better over the last 20 years. Since the war with Ukraine, I don't know. But that was a country that... When I was there, everyone was like, the quality of life in Russia is better than it was 20 years ago. Because 20 years ago, the wall had fallen, uh, the Berlin Wall, Soviet Union had ended, there was drug problems, there was, it was awful. Mm -hmm. Families were decimated, people were in poverty, and then it has gotten better. So I was like, that was one, but even now, I don't know, since the war in Ukraine, what that's like. But no, I can't think of another country where it's like, Interesting. everyone's saying, oh, it's so much better. And you can even see it here. I mean, this is my first time here, but I'm seeing like all this new construction. Mm -hmm. I was told, oh, Surf City, they're gonna read, they're putting a bunch of money into Surf City. I drove to San Salvador last night and on that highway, I was like, well, this is not a Latin American highway, man. This is a really nice highway. I was like, this was impressive. And then I was telling a friend of mine on the phone today that this is probably what Costa Rica was like 20 years ago, maybe. Interesting. Because Costa Rica in the 90s had like potholes and not a lot of money and then more money came in and so that's why I'm here. I want to see for myself. I'm a documentary filmmaker. So what's the name of your show? 
My show is called The Political Vigilante. This is my YouTube show where I talk. It's really critical of the American political system, the two-party system. We have an awful two-party system. I'm more, probably more critical of the Democrats just because I feel like the Republicans are just awful. They're upfront about how awful they are. <laughs> and then the Democrats say, we're going to be the good guys. And then they're just as awful. So that personally bothers me more. <laughs> like, I'd rather have a guy say, hey. It's honest. At least. It's honest. Yeah, man. Just say, Graham, you know what? I don't like you. Rather than, oh, we're friends. And then behind my back. Stop you. Yeah. That's my show, Political Vigilante. And I started talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies on my show a little over three years ago because it's also on a platform. I also do my show on Rockfin, which is a blockchain content platform that pays its content creators in a cryptocurrency in their native Ray token. Mm -hmm. So that's how I really understood Bitcoin is so to cash that token out to pay my bills, I had to convert it to like Ethereum or Bitcoin and then cash it out into US dollars to pay my bills. So I got real familiar with that process. And it was the summer of 2020 Mm -hmm. when Bitcoin was about 9,000. And so I had some of this Ray token, I converted it to Bitcoin and I was just sitting there and then it went up in value. And I went, wait a minute now. And I paid off a credit card. And that was the last credit card I had. Nice. And I was like, bye-bye central banks. (laughs) So that's how I got into crypto. That's how I got into Bitcoin. That's what my show focuses on, Political Vigilante. I'm an anti-war pro-labor socialist. I say that upfront because I live in a capitalist nightmare of America. (laughs) And I do another podcast with my buddy Lee Camp called Government Secrets, Uh where we just talk about all the awful stuff America has done over the years that people probably aren't aware of. Mm -hmm. And it's not conspiracies. We deal with actual things that happen, Freedom of Information Act documents. We'll go to Wikipedia and they'll, they'll have the story. And the question is always, how come we weren't taught this in school? How come the mainstream media isn't talking about this? And one of the things we learned about, and I always kind of knew this, but I do a lot of CAA operations on that show. And I saw firsthand how much just Latin America has been screwed with by specifically the CIA. Like, it's always the same playbook, usually. There's a democratically elected leader that wants to give the people everything, nationalize their resources, and some American corporations say this is bad for business, then the CIA comes in, stages a coup, and they back the dictator. America has no problems with the dictator as long as he helps the United States. So Pinochet, I mean, we could go on down the line. I mean, all this country I'm learning about, how we've manipulated this country and helped cause the awful world, at least, well, there's no way we helped the Civil War as I'm learning. Anyway, I'm going off so, on tangents. Okay, <laughs> let's connect that to one of the things that Bitcoiners always say is that you don't want to trust, but you want to verify. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what you're doing. You want to verify what's happening here in El Salvador yeah. and uh, witness uh, firsthand by yeah. yourself, correct? That's correct. I want to verify. I have a saying on my show, Political Vigilante. I say, follow the money, connect the dots, get the truth. That's a saying I have on my show. I do not like dealing in conspiracies. I like verifiable information. I like data and I like seeing it for myself. So that's what I'm doing. I'm here to verify because everyone could be on Twitter just saying El Salvador is great, El Salvador is great. And I don't know. Not that I think everyone's a liar, but I got to see for myself, you know? Of course. And if I'm questioning it and I'm, and I'm cynical, but then I'm proven wrong, well, that makes it even better. Not that I'm coming here to prove you wrong or coming here to say Bukele's bad or anything. I'm not coming of here course. to prove anybody wrong. I just want to see it. Again, I just like the data. Mm-hmm. Two plus two is four. 
And the number four is not mad at the numbers two and two, or it doesn't prefer three and one, or it doesn't matter. It's four is four. You're saying the numbers don't have feelings. They don't have feelings. <laughs> okay. Data doesn't have feelings. So let's talk about your Bitcoin journey. Mm. Okay. So you're aware now that Bitcoin and crypto are two different things. Mm. How did you get to that understanding? You touched on how you got into Bitcoin, right? With these platforms mm -hmm. uh, for your video mm -hmm. publishing. Yeah. Okay. Then what happened from there? So what happened from there is, well, I have to get more educated about what crypto is. So I started watching a lot of videos and the sort of like crypto Bitcoin bros that are just like, that's not enough evidence for me. I need to see like people who understand Wall Street, who understand the central banks. Mm -hmm. And I started educating myself about it. And then there's a woman I've had on my show numerous times called Susie Dawson, who is literally a soccer mom from New Zealand that in 2012, during the Occupy movement, she got involved in the Occupy movement. And she got targeted because she found out the FBI was working with the New Zealand government to target Occupy activists in New Zealand, which is illegal on both sides. The FBI, it's illegal in, under American law for the FBI to go to another country. And it's illegal under New Zealand law for the FBI to, right? So she found this out and she got targeted. And she moved her kids to Germany and they still targeted her. And then she hit, she moved to Moscow. And I started talking to her and she got really into Bitcoin because when all those activists were getting targeted in 2012, a lot of them were computer programmers, I'm not a computer guy, right? But they had a really good understanding of what Bitcoin was. And since they were watching the government freezing people's bank accounts, targeting people, targeting activists financially, Bitcoin was this way to go, no. I mean, and she saw like Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. They shut down WikiLeaks' ability to get money. So WikiLeaks got into Bitcoin. And I was like, okay, interesting. this is interesting to me. And she gave me a couple shows to watch, YouTube shows to watch. And I had already been watching Max Kaiser on RT because I there's a lot of shows on RT I liked. The Kaiser Report. And he was really good at calling out because he worked in Wall Street. He understood it. Very good at calling out the corruption of Wall Street. Just as a quick side note, I lost my house in the 2008 banking crisis. Mm, okay. And so I went firsthand. I saw, we can talk about that later, but I saw... Bush gave $700 billion to the banks. Then Obama got sworn in. He gave another seven, eight, almost $900 billion. So over a trillion and a half dollars was given to the banks. And there were still six million foreclosures, my house being one of them. And I saw, I went through that whole process where they said, oh, we'll cut your mortgage payment in half with this new stimulus money. It's a forbearance. And then after the three months, we'll restructure your loan to a lower payment to keep you in your house. I said, oh, whew, great. After three months, they said, oh, you don't qualify. Oh, but now you're three months behind because you've been making half payments. Are you serious? Dead serious. That happened under Bush. Obama gets sworn in and I voted for Obama and I thought, oh, he's gonna be better than Bush. Same thing, they came to me, filled out all this paperwork. We'll cut your payment in half, we'll restructure your life. I said, oh, whew, great. I started renting out my condo. I had a very nice condo four blocks from the beach in Santa Monica, California. Same thing, after three months, oh, you don't qualify. Oh, so now you're six months behind. What? I get a statement in the mail, oh, you owe us 10,000. I'd go online and say 11,000. I'd talk to someone on the phone, they'd say 9,000. Like nobody knew, it was chaos. And I found out later they sold my mortgage and it was all part of the plan to move me out of my house. Because the mortgage company sold my mortgage for 30 cents on the dollar. 
So IndyMac Bank, One West Bank, the stuff I talk about in Political Vigilante. So this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you the crowd, well, how I got into Bitcoin, because I already knew this other information. One West Bank, which at the time the CEO was Steve Mnuchin, they bought up a bunch of mortgages from IndyMac Bank, my mortgage, and they paid 30 cents on the dollar. So then they looked at my house and they went, we'll make more of a profit if we kick this guy out. Because even though my home had lost 30% of its value, they still were in the profit since they only paid 30 cents on the dollar. So they had no intention of keeping me in my home. They took the government taxpayer stimulus money, kicked me out, and sold my home. And they did this to millions of people. Wow. And when I started doing my show in January of 2017, I started seeing Kamala Harris was the attorney general of the state of California at the time of all this. People in her office said, we have the evidence to prosecute Steve Mnuchin, the CEO of One West Bank, and she didn't. He donated to her campaign. Of course. Of course. Uh, So she was already senator when Trump got elected. Trump made him secretary of treasurer. She voted to approve him. The Senate and Congress has to approve. And I was like, wow. And I saw it. He donated to her attorney general campaign and he donated to her secretary of state campaign. She didn't prosecute him and she approved him to be secretary treasurer. I got screwed over by Obama. Now Trump is screwing me over. Both parties are complicit in this. It's a, as George Carlin, one of my favorite comedians used to say, it's a big club and you ain't in it. So I already had all this knowledge of how corrupt the central banks were. Going back to Julian Assange, I saw how the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, when he was staying at the Ecuadorian embassy, he's a publisher, he's committed no crimes. So I started following Julian Assange and I saw then the IMF, which is basically the financial bully arm of the United States empire, said to the Ecuadorian government, you know, we're gonna give you $500 million in stimulus Provided you give up Julian Assange, you don't give up Assange, you don't get that money. And I went, holy shit. I grew up in Chicago. This is like mob shit. This is, you're an Italian. You know, this is mafioso stuff. This is like street, like, mm, there's a mob guy going, oh, it'd be a real shame if you fell down a flight of stairs. You know what I mean? Nah. They just did it with $500 million to a country. So Ecuador takes the 500 million, Assange, they kick him out of the embassy. Now he's in Belmarsh prison. So I was like, this is all corrupt and it's money and oil and war. It's all profit. They just, every, they create these wars for profit. I've been to Iraq and Afghanistan. So when I started learning about Bitcoin, I was like, oh, this makes perfect sense. This is a tool of revolution. This is a tool of empowerment. This is a tool of activism. And when I, again, the summer of 2020, when I paid off my credit card, And I got a $1,200 stimulus check from the United States government and I put most of it into Bitcoin when Bitcoin was at 10,000. I was like, that's it, I'm in. So now I just want to learn more and more and more and more. And I did the thing that a lot of people do. I bought up a bunch of altcoins, you know, at five cents. I'm hoping, I'm gonna be, you know, this is gonna, we all get, been there, right? We're all, it's like we're in Vegas. We're like, "Ah," you know, you get a little crazy and I saw the start of the up and downs, and then I interviewed Max Kaiser on my show. I reached out to him two years ago, and he really, him and Stacy Herbert, his wife, came on my show, and they really explained to me. I was starting to get the difference. I'm like, oh, Bitcoin's gold, the altcoins are like stocks. I was starting to see that dip. I was starting to understand that. 
because I made a pledge to myself, I'm gonna watch at least one Bitcoin video a day just to educate myself. Some of it just on what the markets were doing that day, but also like listening to Michael Saylor talk and Raul Paul, because those two guys were intriguing to me because they came from traditional finance. And when I started learning that Raul Paul's really into altcoins, Michael Saylor's more of a Bitcoin maximalist. And I was like, I really, when I heard about all the institutional money, I said, Wall Street's not getting into Bitcoin if it's some bullshit scam. There's no way. They're not gonna fuck with $100 million in assets or what, they're not gonna, there's no way. So I was like, if these guys are getting into it, the gamers and the whatever, but if big money's getting into it, then it's for real. So Max was on my show and I had already kind of started to learn that and he really explained to me and my audience the difference. And now he's a Bitcoin maximalist and he calls them all shit coins, which I think is hilarious. And I, you know, I just tell my audience, just know going in, if you're gonna buy altcoins, you're gambling. You're gambling like you are with a stock. And like when the FTX stuff happened and everyone was like, oh, people who didn't understand. When people start saying, oh, crypto, Bitcoin in the same sentence, then I know they don't know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I say, Bitcoin has no CEO that can be arrested. Mr. Bitcoin hasn't given $30 million to the Democratic Party like Sam Bankman-Fried did to make sure he doesn't go to jail when he gets caught, which is what's happening. There's no Bitcoin headquarters that the FBI can come and raid. There's no Bitcoin marketing team. No, no. Marketing office. There's no, no foundation. No. There's no Bitcoin employee that can steal the money. And so, and also that helped me really realize and when Max said, man, don't, I was staking some coins on some of the exchanges. I had listened to a lot of YouTubers say, get it off the exchanges, get it on the cold wallet. So I started doing that immediately. And I was also very fortunate that Rockfin, that platform that pays us in crypto, had a guy there that was talking with me on the phone while we were going through this, like transferring money, opening up a cold wallet. He really held my hand through that. And I'll say this to your audience, if you don't understand it, it's okay. Don't be afraid to say, I don't get this. And I had to tell him, I said, like, talk to me like I'm five. You know what I mean? Like if a horsey has one Bitcoin and that horsey wants to buy a lollipop, like really talk to me like I'm five. And so that's got me into my true understanding. And since the Max Kaiser interview, I've been slowly getting rid of the altcoins. Because even some that I currently are at a loss, I realized if I liquidate this, take some cash, but put even just 10 or 20% into Bitcoin, eventually, now that I know what Bitcoin is and you can't stop it, it'll go to a million a coin. It could go to 10 million a coin. It could go in our lifetimes. We could see it at 500. We could see it. So that little percentage of Bitcoin that I bought with cashing out an altcoin eventually will get me back my losses on that altcoin because I don't want the altcoin to go to zero and then I'm out and I got nothing. So there's a couple altcoins I'm holding on to. There's one of them, literally, I'm calling it, it's, it's my lottery ticket coin. It's just, a, it's just a goddamn long shot, you know what I mean? Yeah. But the bulk of my stuff is Bitcoin and I've been increasing my position since the fall because I'm one of these people, when everyone was flipping out in November about FTX, I was like, man, buy the dip, baby, 16 grand, boom, I'm in. And so I just got some last week at 26 and now today we're at 31. So anyway. That's my journey, man. I don't give financial advice in my channel. Sure, neither uh, do I. <laughs> but this is not financial advice, but if you have uh, an altcoin that is at a loss and you sell it, uh, you can uh, show um, capital loss yeah. at the IRS, so it can help you with taxes, tax loss harvesting. 
and then you're going to buy the, the, the Mether horse, <laughs> the, the good horse that's Bitcoin. And then when Bitcoin goes to the moon, <laughs> yeah, no tax advice, but just something to think about. It's a, yeah, I don't give financial advice, but it's a strategy to think about. If you believe and know, as, as we have studied, guys like us have studied that Bitcoin is, when I would hear Max Kaiser and Michael Saylor say, it will become the world's reserve currency. And I'm like, you're right, it's going to. And when Bukele made it law here, I said on my YouTube show, I said, this is the first domino. I said, you watch. I go, all these countries in Central and South America that the United States and the IMF have been screwing with are gonna go, these neighbor countries, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Honduras, all these countries, they're paying attention to what's going on here. And they're gonna go, I mean, I heard maybe four, six months ago, I don't know what happened, but I heard Costa Rica introduced a Bitcoin piece of legislation into their Congress. Lula, who's the new president, again, in Brazil, he seems to be pretty pro-crypto. He understands, it seems like it. We don't know. So you need to be careful because when a politician is pro-crypto, it's very different than being pro-Bitcoin mm. because it's very easy for any politician to control any crypto. Right. Crypto is nothing else than a fiat system on steroids. Mm. More point. technological advanced fiat system where the politician of turn can go to their office headquarters. They can go with suitcases with money or we can go with this and tell the team, hey, now your crypto needs to do this. Yeah. What do you want? The money? <laughs> yeah. But with Bitcoin, they can go to anybody. Yeah, you that's true. Sure? That's a good point. Because you're seeing that all of a sudden, the big governments are trying to push everybody into the CDBCs, central digital banking coins. And that is a little scary to me because then they want, then they could just grab it. So that's I'm glad you made that distinction to remind me. Because I, I'm not sure how Lula is uh, I don't favorable know. to something that he cannot control. So when they say crypto, yeah, yeah. it doesn't mean Bitcoin. That's true. That's you a know? good point. And while Bukele here made it clear that he understand the difference between Bitcoin and crypto, mm -hmm. and he actually he made Bitcoin legal tender because he didn't want to be uh, subject to the United States uh, financial uh, repressive tools like the SWIFT system, you know, like yeah. we have seen what happened with Russia. So Bukele thought about that. That's one of the reasons why he made Bitcoin legal tender in the country. So now that you are in El Salvador and you have done your first Bitcoin transactions, you bought things, how, how did they feel? How was it? It was amazing to me and I made videos of it and I put it on my YouTube because I wanted to show my audience how you just boop, you know what I mean? How easy it is. Because I think for a lot of people, and it sounds like you and I were similar, it seems like this, how do you buy big, oh, like so crazy. But when you see it, like I read to the surfboard, I bought water, I went to the grocery store, I paid for my dinner and I would show my audience. I used the Phoenix app. I loaded some Bitcoin on it, which was very easy and cheap to do. She showed me a QR code, took a photo of it, boom, boom, bam. It was done and at a minimal of fees. And I think when people see that, especially shopkeepers, I think when the shopkeeper, because most business owners, they wanna make it as easy as possible for people to buy. And that's why I think the word of mouth in this country is gonna be probably the most effective tool because someone's going to go, 
I got a papusa stand, you got a papusa stand, and you're telling me, oh, I'm making more money because I'm using Bitcoin. And I'm like, well, how do I do this? You know, I'm gonna say, how, how, you know, you're gonna show me. And then that's it, I'm gonna see the profits. And then, you know, you sounds like there's a good movement to instruct the El Salvadorian people about not just adoption, not just lightning wallets, but also like saving some on a cold wallet so that the Bitcoin that's coming into their, their, their businesses they can save it and that's where this country is going to really in five, ten years going to grow economically where you're going to pull people out of poverty. Another point that I would like to make about education is that right now El Salvador is the only country in the world that I know of at least that is teaching financial education to the kids in school. This is thanks to companies like Bitcoin Beach and Mi Premier Bitcoin take care of the education here. And the other thing that it's important is that they're not only teaching these kids and Salvadorian how to use Bitcoin, but also why Bitcoin is important the philosophy behind Bitcoin. And like why it's different from fiat and that and crypto. They make it very clear. Bitcoin is not crypto, it's not fiat. And that's why. Because I think that's also very important for people to understand why and not just to use it for transactions or for investment. Because if you invest, but you don't understand why Bitcoin, then when there is a bear market or something goes wrong, you get out and you don't want to touch that thing. But if you learn why Bitcoin is important, then you're gonna stick to it no matter what. <laughs> yeah, that's critical. That's the thing that I am really drawn to as I started reading up before I came down, was learning about like what Bitcoin Beach is doing and reprimit a Bitcoin. I'm like, wow, they're educating kids because this is a problem. And I don't know if this is a problem in Italy, but it's definitely a problem in America. The, the school system does not educate us by design about money because they want us to just work and have a credit card and a bunch of debt, that's what they want us to do. And yep. so the fact that children are being educated is really setting this country up for the next generation to be even more solid, independent, and stronger than anyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd love to do that in America, but I don't see the powers that be letting go of that control. Because the, the central banks, which they look, they buy ad time on all the major networks. Get this new credit card, low interest. Bob, they want you in debt, man. They don't want you owning your own money and having your, your own Bitcoin. They don't want that. Yeah, the education system is pretty bad even in, uh, in Italy, in Europe overall. They don't really teach you useful things, you know? Mm -hmm. You just learn how to be a cog in the system, get in debt to what they tell you to do because you need to pay off your debt and pay the taxes. Uh, how many more days do you have here in El Salvador? One week. One week? Yeah. Okay, so what's your plan for the, the rest of the week? So I'm going to tomorrow, I'm going to meet a guy that is with a company. I'm meeting two different companies that are helping attract businesses to come down and say what the process is, the legalities. Mm. So they're locals who understand the system and what it would take to bring your business down here. So that's very curious to me. I have, I'm a small business owner. I have a little business, a little production company. And you know I have a TV series that I produce that's on Amazon Prime and... I'm a touring comedian, I have a new special that's out, and I see a potential down here for more production. Part of financial freedom for me as an artist is creative freedom. Because if you want to work in Hollywood, you have to work for one of the big tech companies. 
Hulu, Netflix, you know, Amazon, Apple, Broadway, Apple, HBO, Apple TV, HBO. They're owned by Warner. I mean, they're multinational conglomerates. So I'm a political comedian, right? And I'm a, there's not many political comedians in America right now. I call out the whole system is broken. You can be a right-wing or left-wing comedian, and that's fine, because that keeps everybody fighting and playing the game, the theater of the American political system. Somebody like me calling out the whole system, it's, you understand. It's not good for business. It's for, bad for business. I'm, oh, I'm bad for business. And they've censored me. So I have a new comedy special that came out in March called Manifest It. And it's an hour. It's on YouTube, right? So anyone just goes, look up Graham Elwood comedy special, Manifest It. You'll see it. It's an hour comedy special. It's on all things comedy, which Bill Burr is one of the owners of it. They're very supportive of comics and very much about freedom of speech and freedom of expression. I have had... So since the special's been out, I've been growing my Instagram, all my social media with clips of the special. This is how comedians grow their brand. They do a special, and now with social media, 60-second stand-up comedy clips are great. And my special has, you know, it's pretty political. I call out the media, I call out both parties, I call it the war machine, you know. I say America's a cult. <laughs> and I've had five ads on Instagram. So I, I made a clip. And for those of you who don't know on Instagram, like Facebook, you can do a boosted post. So you pay them money and they will put your post out to people that aren't just your followers. So I'm gonna get two things, it's gonna do two things, bring me more followers, and then hopefully more people watch the full one hour special, right? Which, just to give a little background, as a comedian, the more social media following you have, the more tickets you sell on the road, right? So that's just a part of my business. I've had five, Francesco, five ads rejected for being too political. Instagram? Instagram. They don't want to take my money. I'm trying to pay them and they're rejecting this. So then I said, I'm, let, me, let me try an experiment. Now this is, let me backtrack. This is on top of in February 1st, 2021, my YouTube channel got demonetized because I talk a lot about Epstein. We talked about the JFK assassination. That's the other thing. I won't go down too big of an Epstein rabbit hole, but part of the reason how Epstein and his pals, they do money laundering. And people say, oh, you can do criminality with Bitcoin. No, no, Bitcoin, it can be tracked. You know, and when people say that about Bitcoin, I go, oh, right, the US dollar has no blood on it. <laughs> There's no blood or drugs on the US dollar. Anyway, so I've been demonetized for over two years on YouTube because I talk anti-war. I'm critical of the American war machine. So I've already been demonetized. Now I've got five ads that have been too political. So I already kind of know they're targeting me. So I did a sixth ad. And this one I just did, there's a joke in my act about dating, has nothing to do with political. That ad got rejected because they said, oh, now I'm trying to sell dating advice. I was like, what? No. And if I'm selling dating, just about every comedian out there has some joke about dating or being married. I mean, so now I'm like, oh, I've been targeted. This is on top of, so they've taken away my ability to earn money on YouTube, which is one of the reasons I then really went into that Rockfin so that I can get crypto and convert it to Bitcoin or cash or whatever to pay my bills because YouTube was about 60% of my revenue. Is it still, your channel is still demonetized? Yeah. There's ads playing on my videos that I don't get paid for. The big revenue stream, when you, when you live stream on YouTube, the audience might not know this, There's a chat and then there's a super chat where people can pay you two, three, five dollars and I will answer all of those questions. 
that was a huge piece of revenue for me because people wanted to ask me very specific political questions. I'd have two, 300 people in the chat. But so now I've been demonetized and they've throttled my numbers. I had 78,000 subscribers, now I'm at 73,000. When I go live, I get 50, 60, maybe 100 people watching. I used to get three, 400, 500, sometimes 1,000. So I've lost my house, I've been censored. And again, I'm a comedian that went and entertained United States military and war zones, and this is how I'm treated by my own country, which is another, all of this is an, is an umbrella for why I like Bitcoin, <laughs> to tie this all in. I'll give you this last piece of censorship that's gonna blow your mind. So I recorded my special in October of last year at the Zany's Comedy Club in Chicago, a club I started at, and I had four shows leading up to it to get ready, right? New York City, Madison, Wisconsin, Cincinnati, Ohio, and Waterford, Michigan. First of all, I'll say this, Waterford, Michigan, very red, Trump supporting, they loved my set because when I made fun of Trump, they didn't care because I made fun of Biden. Madison, Wisconsin, very liberal, very blue, loved my set because when I made fun of Biden, they didn't care because I made fun of Trump. So again, to your earlier point of my comedy special is getting all sides of America to realize the system's broken, which they don't want, they want us fighting. Mm -hmm. So there's digital billboards you can get in a lot of major cities in America and they're very affordable. You just send them like a PDF of your, and it's much more affordable than a physical billboard because you have to pay for the, right? The paper, the glue. Yep, the print. The guy to go up there. No, the workers. So I got ads leading up, you know, come to see Graham Elwood live at this show and that show in this city and that city. One of the places was in Times Square, which is more expensive than the other cities, but I thought, and I was performing at Broadway Comedy Club, which is right off Times Square. And if you've ever been to Times Square, it's packed full of people. And I have a lot of people that, I always say like, I probably have a million passive fans. People who kind of know me, have seen me on this TV, or they don't, but they're not. So if they saw a big billboard, I thought, this could draw a lot of people. So all the other billboards in the other cities were approved. The New York City one, for whatever reason, the owner of that billboard disapproved it. And here's what the billboard said. Graham Elwood Live, Tuesday, October 18th, 8 p.m. Tickets at broadwaycomedyclub.com. And then a picture of me on stage with a microphone. That's it. That was called, Francesco, too political. So I was like, okay, let me try this to prove to see if it's just me. It's gotta be me, right? Maybe I'm paranoid. So I submitted a new billboard that said special secret show, Tuesday, October 18th, 8 p.m., Broadway Comedy Club, broadwaycomedyclub.com for tickets. Same photo, but a question mark over my face. That got approved. So my name and my face are too political. Interesting. And I'm like, this is another reason. One of the ways they censor you in the, I don't know what you call it, technocratic <laughs> insanity of America where you're, you think you're free they have all these laws that say you're free, but then a big tech company can just, they're set. I can still post my videos. I just can't make money on them. So they're really pushing me into talk about something else, man. Make wacky cat videos, do a puppet show, you know, whatever. Do videos of me trying to hit pickup girls or whatever, it's just stupid shit. That is fine. And so they've hurt my ability to earn money. Another reason I, want to amass as much Bitcoin as I can.
Oh, I forgot to tell you this. Six months into starting my YouTube show, Political Vigilante, I've hosted game shows in America, right? 300 episodes of game shows. A producer saw me at a comedy club in Hollywood, a guy I kind of know, and he goes, hey man, I'm doing this game show pilot at Comic-Con, which is the big comic book convention in San Diego. It's the biggest one in the world, where it's a movie-themed game show. And I used to have a movie podcast called Comedy Film Nerds. I'm a film major, I have a book published. And I used to host game shows. He goes, you're the perfect guy. So I was hired. They were going to pay me to do this, like, basically a TV show in a theater in front of executives to potentially sell it. So this could be a lot of money. If this goes to series, I could make six or seven figure income very easily. And I was talking with the producer and I was giving him ideas and we were starting to kind of build the show, what the, what the TV show would be. After about a month of that, he calls me up and he goes, hey, man. I hate doing this. I go, what? He goes, the company that was a big media company. Well, it was, this, it was this one online media platform that's owned by a giant one, which is typical. He goes, man, one of the executives saw your Twitter feed and they said, this guy's too political. So I, I hate to do this. And at the time, what I was talking about on Twitter, the state of California was trying to pass Medicare for all to give we don't have free health care in America. It's very expensive. This is one of the things Bernie Sanders was pushing. He called it single-payer health care. Now it's called Medicare for all. But So every resident of the state of California would get free health care because the state of California is the fifth largest economy in the world. Democrat Anthony Rendon at the last minute killed the bill on a Friday night. And a handful of us sort of indie media activists were paying attention. So we were all calling him out on Twitter. I wasn't swearing at him. I wasn't threatening him. I was just calling him out. We could have free health care in California. That was called too political by a executive at a media company. When they say too political, do you think they say they mean too political or they mean I don't like what you're saying? <laughs> I think that's it. Because there's this ridiculous misconception in America. I get this a lot. Because I'm very critical of the Democratic Party, people assume I'm a, like a Trump supporter, which I'm not. I don't like Trump. I don't like the Republicans. I don't like Joe Biden. I think they're all full of it. I can only imagine that they were like, oh, this guy's some crazy Trumper. And I'm like, I'm mad that we don't have free health care in the richest country in the world, in a state with the fifth largest economy in the world. That's what I'm mad at. And that's a problem? That shows you the insanity of America. And again... When you work for somebody and you do, you know, look, I'm not famous, but I'm a public figure. This is how I make my living. I've been a stand-up comic since I was 18. This is what I know how to do. I'm good at it. I possess a skill that most people don't have. You and I were talking beforehand. You get a little nervous on camera. That's most people. That's totally normal. I'm not. I've been a performer since I was a kid. I mean, this is why I'm so, I get like emotional. I've entertained the United States military. I've entertained their military. I put the, my life on the line to tell jokes. I don't expect special treatment. I don't expect a gold trophy. But don't kill my ability to make money because I'm against war. Because I've actually been to a war zone. These executives that call me too political, how many wounded soldiers have they met? I've met more than I care to count. I've been to the Naval Hospital in San Diego on several Thanksgivings in a row. I met a 25-year-old kid that had just lost his legs in Afghanistan. I don't want to see more of that. And yet I lose my ability to make money? because I say that that's wrong, it infuriates me. And so I'm stacking sats, man. 
And that's why we Bitcoin. And that's why I came to El Salvador. And I don't know, maybe I'll live here, maybe I'll bring my business here, I don't know. But I wanna see it because if I'm in a country that's safe, that doesn't support war, and they, they allow me to be a businessman with Bitcoin, then I wanna do it because my own country has, literally I've given a lot to my country. I've been shot at in war zones to tell jokes. I don't like loud noises. I've been on a helicopter that came under fire. And again, I'm not expecting a goddamn parade down Pennsylvania Avenue or anything like that, but don't screw me over. They took my house. Now they're taking my ability to make money. So fuck you, man, go buy, I'm buying Bitcoin, you know, and I'm gonna see if El Salvador is cool. And imagine if this happens to you, yeah. to how many other comedian or yes. public figures to different scales mm -hmm. with larger or smaller audience this up and then they have to make a choice. So that kind of makes us question whatever we hear from anybody could be a result of not being the truth or what they want to share, but them being forced to say that or being uh, yep. paid to, be, to do that. And they don't have to be paid directly. It's subtle. It's subtle. They remove the ability to get paid. They don't yes. give them extra money. They just take whatever they're they just They do this. They go, well, if you want to talk about that political stuff, I don't know if we have funding. But if you want to talk about, you know, dating and getting high, <laughs> you know what? We got money for that. Yeah, a lot of investors for that. A lot of investors for that. So what are you going to do? You got bills to pay. Mm -hmm. You got a house. Now maybe you got a nice big house that your show business career paid for, they're gonna take that away. Yep. And let's say you got your kids already in private school or whatever. So what decision are you gonna make? You're a father, if you got to that choice, even as a Bitcoiner, you would have to for your- I would have to take care of my kids. Yes, and that's that. And that's a, that's a noble decision to make, and they know that. And so it makes me so angry because America could be this great place, and mm -hmm. it's instead the problem. And again, They're doing it to me, and I'm not some crazy act. I'm not Julian Assange. Look what they did to Julian Assange. I'm a comedian. I'm a surfer comedian. <laughs> like, so anyway, I get pretty emotional about this, but it's why I'm here. It's why I want to see if this is real, because I'm tired of getting screwed with. I cannot even handle all this information, like, or listening about politics or learning about the corruptions, you know? I just get sick, you know, I don't know how you do it. It's just sometimes by mistake, something appears on Twitter and then I remind myself, that's why I don't use Twitter. <laughs> that's why I don't follow anybody on Twitter. You know, I share what I learned there about El Salvador, but I try not to stay there. You know, it just ruins my life, you know, and I don't want that. So I don't even understand how you handle that. I, I can't. And that's why I'm here in El Salvador. That's why I'm a Bitcoiner. That's why I try to teach Bitcoin to people, you know. You can't take a step outside your, your house in the United States and everything is politicized. Everything. Everything is constantly bombarding you with messages, directly or indirectly, you know, either by people or by billboards or by seeing the school <laughs> or, you know, everything. 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 You know, it's, everything. I don't want to live like that. That's why I'm in El Salvador. Considering what you just said, I'm glad you responded to me on Twitter so that we can set this set this and listen, I, just everybody knows I didn't respond to you only because you're a, a public person or a celebrity yeah. you have a big account I respond to everybody I try to help everybody yeah. I have a group on Telegram where people can join Bitcoiners in El Salvador I put the link down below in the description box and you can join and talk to the expats here and see the community why the community is here some conversations are a little crazy sure, sure. Okay, but at the end of the day you see 
why people are moving here. And it's interesting how people are moving here from New Zealand, Australia, United States, Netherlands, Canada, Italy, France, Germany, Sweden, everywhere. They're coming here because they're sick of all this hyper-politicized and divisive environment in their countries yeah. or the impossibility or the impracticality of doing business and live their life as they want, you know? And so they come here, they start their business here or they have a remote job. At least they get out up there, they can live on the beach yeah. and they just enjoy life. Now, challenges living here right now, it's still a developing country, it's not perfect yet. I think it will become yeah. very nice here. But there are trade-offs, and most people like myself, oh, they decided that this was definitely worth it, you know. Plus, living on Bitcoin is just so refreshing. It's just not having the European Central Bank or the Fed in yeah, your yeah. wallet or in when you swipe the card. It's just a different feeling, you know, yeah. to pay in Bitcoin or to receive in Bitcoin if you're offering a service. It's just so refreshing, um, you know. So excited to see what more I'll learn and see and who I'll meet this next week. These three days already have been pretty awesome. And I'm really excited to see the potential for what could happen in this country. And I hope, I'm very confident I'm gonna be able to raise the money and make this documentary in the fall. I wanna come here in October and also for the November Bitcoin conference. Yeah, you should come for the conference. I right? wanna come for the conference. And I wanna hopefully we'll have a camera crew and be videotaping you know, for the documentary because that conference is also unique when I learned no NFTs, no block, just Bitcoin, baby. Yeah. I was like, well, yeah, let's do it. So it's very different than the Miami conference that uh -huh. has become mostly about, uh, you know, celebrity status and politics and power. Yeah. <laughs> and money, yeah. And yeah. money, yeah. That's the problem, you know? Yeah. So, Graham, usually I don't talk about politics so much. For this reason that I just explained, I don't want to get sick, but, <laughs> you know, at the same time, we, we need to remind ourselves why we make some decision, you know? And it's, you know, it's, uh, it was very interesting to learn about uh, all the censorship that you've gone through and... Uh, and I'm not a big name comedian. That's crazy. I'm not Dave Chappelle or Joe Rogan. I don't, I'm a guy who plays, you know, 100 seat venues, man. 100, 200 seat, the, my biggest venues I play are like maybe 200 seats. Wow. I'm not selling out theaters. Why am I such a threat? Right. What are they afraid of? Right. Some game show host, comedian, surfer, vegan? Is that, what they're, is that what they're scared of? What, what, what am I gonna do? You know? That's, that's crazy. Like, if you put, when you put things in perspective, it really makes you think why. Yeah. You know, and that's what drives a lot of Bitcoiners, the why. So yeah. just get curious about Bitcoin and learn. If you need any help about El Salvador, learning how to move to El Salvador, how life is here. You have the groups, you have me on Twitter. Soon you're gonna have uh, Graham, yes. expert about El Salvador. Yeah. If you wanna learn about Bitcoin, as well, reach out to me. I posted a little video last night getting my first pupusas. <laughs> it's great. It's awesome. Graham, thank you very much. Thank you for, for coming on my show. Don't forget that we have recorded kind of part one of this interview on this YouTube channel where he interviews me about El Salvador and Bitcoin. So we go deep on some philosophical topics yes. about Bitcoin. Watch the both. Yeah. And in, in me interviewing him, him giving all these amazing answers and stuff I hadn't considered. They go, they go great together. Graham, thank you very much. And hope we can do yes. this oh, see. again in El Salvador when you come back. See. Soon. Yep. Thank you, everybody, for watching. <laughs>